in this world full of ignorant bliss, our truth often gets dismissed. We all hide behind our screens, pretending to know what life truly means. But if you're here, I sense you're searching for something. Something beneath the surface, something deep within. It's time for your weekly dose of the pill that does the most. Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. That is not for everyone. What is my guy doing? Hmm? <laughs> this is two weeks running where you've done something no, random. I was trying to cross, st- my, cross my legs like under the table, but I couldn't find a good spot. But then I realized like my legs are actually on my old laptop right now. Because it's okay. like, I can't explain it. But you know at the table, don't worry. Yes. So yeah, I was just trying my, to see whether that was okay to leave my, my feet where, where they are. My statement, my, my statement still stands that we've started another weekly episode with your randomness. But guys, welcome to a new season. Um, I guess we did a welcome last week. So this is just straight into our first episode of the 10th season. All right, cool. So if you're, I don't know if this clip will be on YouTube, but we have new mic positions because again, efficiency, you're trying <laughs> trying things out so if you see a clip of this don't ask questions um all right so first of all we're gonna do announcements welcome back everyone happy monday all of that vibes um hear wally's voice properly wally say hi and then let's let's hello guys how we doing how's it going um great to be back yeah it's not it's, it's not it it's not a podcast recording if it's not like late night is it? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think I could do it. like recording in the morning, afternoon. I know you've mentioned we should try, but it doesn't. It doesn't give. I feel like there's a zone we enter or I enter into when I guess, and I'm more of a night person to be fair. So, anyways, all right. Uh, before we dive into the topic for today, we have a couple of announcements to make. If you listen to our initial episode, the I guess trailer episode for this season, we mentioned a few changes that are coming up. So we're just going to reiterate some of those changes and. <laughs> I guess this is what she gets for recording the nights because this guy just yawned loudly. And I'm going to just leave it in there. Um, but anyway, it's going to run through a few announcements uh, for you guys. Uh, the first one is, um, what is the first one? I don't know the order. So it's not an order of importance, in order and how it comes to my mind. But let's talk about podcast schedule changes, right? But it's related to something else that I will lead into. So this season, we're still doing 20 episodes. Um, but on the main pod, which is what you're listening to right now, you're going to get one episode every two weeks. And this is because our cinema therapy episodes, which we did last season, where we pick up a movie and talk about a movie that reflects on a topic we speak about. Those episodes are moving into our very brand new Patreon account. Yay. Applause. So our Patreon account is for folks that want to support us, um, not just... Yeah, that was like five seconds delayed. But our Patreon account is for who knows that want to support us uh, beyond obviously following the podcast, listen to our episodes. Uh, well, and uh, I would like I'm to trying, try. Man. You are, you are. Well, and I like, would like to try some interesting things and more adventurous things with the podcast. And it's easier to do that when I guess we have a bit more resources to play around with. So subscribe to, or what's the word? What's the verb for Patreon? Sign up for, to be a patron on our Patreon accounts. Uh, the link is in the description. We have three, two plans. Yeah, but- find it themselves you find out yeah surprise surprise yeah. next next <laughs> next announcement all right um, cool 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 next yeah, announcement yeah. is um what's the next one you give that one i think there's one you have to give oh um 
Oh yeah, so this is not an announcement. It's just actually a initiative we're trying to push for this season. So thank you to again to everybody who joined the call to participate in the Yellow Pill campaign survey last season. We ran a, a survey for about 10 weeks, which we shared in a five-pound Amazon vouchers to two winners from the mm-hmm. survey, um, from the survey participants. And the survey really it really helped us begin to understand a lot more about who our listeners, you guys, who you are. And if you if you feel the survey, you remember it was quite extensive. So the time you put into it um really helped us know a lot more inside about who you are. So we appreciate that. Now we want to run a similar campaign this season. Similar campaign this season. Will you share okay. every two- <laughs> Let us uh, run a similar campaign this season, but without anything survey-like. So what we want to try and do this season is one thing that we know works for podcasts a lot is word of mouth, right? Um, the podcast that I listened to today because someone shared them with me and they came from somebody who I trust, respect, or I just want to hear what they share with me. And we think that for you guys as well, it's quite the same. Some of you found this podcast through a referral. Some of you found it by accident. Some of you found it through a friend of a friend. Right. We've seen that through the survey. So what we want to do for this season is to ask you guys to take part in this drive to give this podcast to one person. All right. So if you're listening right now, all I want you to do is if there's any episode you hear this season that you really enjoy, Make sure you share with just one new person who's never heard Wale and Toby or the Yellow Pill podcast. One person per person. This is one per person. One P1. I like that. One P1. <laughs> this I just, guy. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes for One P1 actually is... sticks. So let's just go with one P1, yeah? So the one P1 campaign, guys. And it entails... <laughs> From junkies to one P1. It just keeps coming. Okay, wrap, 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 wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap, wrap it up. One yeah, so one. we just want to appeal to you guys. Um, share the podcast, share an episode with somebody who's never listened to it before and let us carry conversations going forward. And that's, that's pretty much our plea in a way of one of ways to support us. Supporting as well, for every time you listen, give us a like, a rating, a thumbs up on your platform of choice. That really helps boost our, our rankings a lot. We did, we did get a lot of um, new rankings like last season, which was very, very nice. I noticed mm-hmm. that on um, Apple and Spotify. Yeah. So we would love to keep that up, please, in the same way. And this one, I'm actually saying please, because yeah. you guys you guys listen. It's a long one-hour listening session. And I know sometimes you can just listen and you're on the go. But once you're done, once you're starting, just click that start button. Click, click, thing. I don't, and I, don't, I don't think there's a sound effect for it, but just imagine my voice has a sound effect. Once you click, this, once you click the yeah. button. That's me done. All right, cool. All right, final announcement. So everything we're saying is in the description. So you find all the links in there. Don't feel the need to, I guess, I don't know, use that experience. It's inside the description. Final points. Um, it was in my mind now. It's going mm. to escape. Oh, we're introducing the, um, it was called an ask us anything section. So before each podcast, uh, we're going to, well, first of all, well, we're not going to do it on this episode because we're just telling you about it. But in the link in the description, there's a link that says, ask us anything. Uh, and that's the section we're going to do on the beginning of each part where we're going to like, again, take your questions. It could be personal. It could be non-personal. It could be random. Just ask us anything. They will all go in there. You see what everybody else is asking. And again, we just want to involve you guys in the conversation a lot more. Comments were super great. 
um, last time around. But I have a feeling that the comments can also be a bit intimidating to some people because we had some commenters that took their time to really like compose like a lot of, let's call it prose. Um, but yeah, I think ask us anything is probably going to be less, um, I guess, wordy. But just ask us any question that pops into your head, even as you're listening. It doesn't have to be about the episode in question. It could be anything. So literally ask us anything. Uh, we're going to yep, spend the yep. first five minutes yep. of each podcast yep. before. Yeah, and in. we want to use the avenue to capture your own dilemmas. We talk about dilemmas on the podcast. Hmm. Let's hear let's hear live dilemmas. Let's hear what's going on that is tricky to handle. Let's hear what's going on in your lives that I don't know, it's just a dilemma for you, a problem for you that maybe you've solved, you figured out, or you want to hear that opinion. Yeah. Because once you share with us and we share on the podcast, then other people also comment on that same topic as well. So yeah. ask us anything, it literally means anything, in whether it's a question about ourselves, about yourselves, about an idea, a concept, whatever it is, ask us and let us break that down on the podcast in a very spontaneous, unprepared manner. All right, cool. I'm going to do a, I guess, what's the word called? Veto, whatever. I said I was going to do something before this podcast, but well, let's just dive into the episode because we've talked enough already. Um, so we'll introduce the Ask Us Anything session from the next episode with your questions and whatnot. Um, but on today's meaty episode, what are we talking about? Well, you guys can see the title already, but Wally, introduce the topic to us. Why me? Why don't you do it? I don't understand. Isn't it? I feel like it was your... Uh, actually, yes, it was your suggestion. S- since when is it my job to like introduce every... Not every episode, but episodes that you fight passionately for. I fought, I fought passionately for this one somehow but i kind of said i was tired of talking about this particular thing and then we kind of like landed on uh, this version of it so, first. so so toby got the 30s blues clearly <laughs> um, no i just feel like we've talked about this a couple of times even though we're going to bring a new twist to it today. okay so, so so what we've done in the podcast previously yeah 30s wise has been talk about what 30s might look like yes and we did that a part two of yes. that right yes I, I i see this as differently I said okay. this differently because why this is why I say you should introduce it. So, so the topic it. today, obviously, as you can see from the title, is about audits in our twenties, and the key word there is audit, right? What does audit mean in principle? To check that facts are facts, and to ensure and look back on something on on a trail of some kind of transaction that you have in the accounting world to understand that everything meets the actual outcomes that it says it meets. Mm. But of course, in this way, we are trying to look at our 20s and say, okay, well, if it's not clear already to anybody listening, this guy now already 30 years old. Right? This Jesus, year, don't say it like that. Like, I don't know why, the way you just said it just felt wrong, but carry on. Really? How so? I don't know. We can unpack that later in the episode. Okay, let, let me rephrase. Well, if you didn't know that before, well, to be honest, I had pleasure of turning 30 years old. Dun, dun, and it was dun. a delightful experience, I must yeah. say. Uh-huh. Had some tea, some cake, sat down with uh, this Queen of England. <laughs> I don't know what you're for doing me, right now. If, if I wanted to make it, make it that fancy. But anyway, my point is... You know she's dead, right? So no, there's a new queen though. Relax. I, do you, do, did you call her the Queen of England? Not the way you said it. Yeah, but technically, if we're in court, it still stands. Carry anyway. <laughs> anyway. Back, guys. Why this is the important topic is, um, some of, I know some of you listening are definitely below 30. Some are, some are above 30 from our day that we can see it. 
Um, but why this is important is, I think if you're born in 1992 to 1994 or five, you probably are around people who talk about the 30 markers, mm. this perhaps um, Casper-like feeling that people don't want to see when they wake up, that they're approaching 30. Mm. If they don't, if if people are not that dramatic about it, they definitely hint a sense of thirty is this milestone um, age that one has to figure stuff out, whatever stuff means, right? Yeah. And you guys, and, and you guys know this because people people talk about this all the time online, mm. right? And then some camps will tell you like thirty is where your life begins. Don't worry about it. Some mm. say don't you not figure everything out by thirty. There's many Instagram will tell you Instagram, YouTube, you can get all of these things from there. That, that's my point. However, what we want to do today is a different take because usually we're always looking forward when we get to these milestones a lot, mm. right? So if I'm 26, or I'm 27, I'm thinking of everything I need to hit before I'm 30. Usually, yeah. I'm guessing, right? And once you're 30, you're like, ah, I'm already 30 now. What have I not hit? Let mm. me try and hit it, right? So, but what we want to do is we are taking steps to say, okay, no, 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 we are already 30, fine. Yeah, great. I thank God I'm 30. It's a brilliant, brilliant age. 30, what? 30, 30 is great. However, yes. 30, you're already, you're, you're in more potential. We're now proof of the pudding. Mm. We're now in reality. We're now adults and nobody will care, care about you if you're on the street lying on the floor. Mm. So before we actually move forward, let's just do an audit. Let's just go back into the last 10 years and extract every single transaction. Well, that's transaction of, of our identity, transaction of work, transaction of careers, yeah. of goals, of dreams, whatever it is, and see yeah. what has actually been a debit and a credit. <laughs> what, what has actually, you know, struck a chord in who we've, who we've turned out to be eventually? What has actually been something that we've actually thought we've had but I've missed? Pretty yeah. much just look back, but, but not only for looking back, but just look back to understand who we are now. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. that's and that's why we we have the topic of auditing our twenties. Yeah, absolutely great. All right, so what I'm going to do now is funny enough. I think Willie mentioned um, two episodes we've done in the past, which is the first one ever on the podcast, which was almost in one pandemic leaning, which is what will my thesis look like. Then we did the part two, but I also did an off-season episode with a friend uh, called Ore, and it was reviewing a book around the defining decade, which is by Dr. Meg J. And she, in that book, they covered a bunch of categories that are quite important to, in your 20s, to set you up for the rest of your life. So we're going to be using that to maybe <clears throat> sort of like guide the conversation. But before I dive in, well, if you saw in the notion notes, I, I put a few things and I just thought it would be good to look sort of like externally and just set the tone. We're not necessarily going to discuss any of these things in particular, but I'm just going to read a couple of it out. And so what I'm going to read are some quotes. Um, some statistics and just general information about being 20s, just a general vibe. Why well, should we read quotes? Let's just Why? go into the categories, I believe, because um, if we start reading quotes, then... It'll I be very quick. Diving... Okay, we, we won't talk about on. it. All right. On. So one quote says, your 20s are your selfish years. It's a decade to immerse yourself in every single thing possible. Be selfish with your time and all the aspects of you. Tinker with shit. Travel, explore, love a lot, love a little, and never touch the ground. Another one says, your 20s are your self-discovery years. Don't be afraid to fail, explore, take risks. You have nothing to lose and a world to see. The other one says, in your 20s, you worry about what people think of you. In your 40s, you don't give a damn what they think of you. In your 60s, you realize they were never thinking of you. 
Final one says, the 20s are the time when you're trying to figure things out. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's okay not to have it all together. Um, information. The 20s are often referred to as the decade of change. As young adults go through significant transitions in career, education, relationships, and personal identity. Uh, this age group is known for being slightly digital native, blah, blah, blah. Um, many young adults experience the quarter-life crisis, a term used to describe the feelings of uncertainty and anxiety about the future during this period. Um, according to a study published in the journal Development Psychology, self-esteem tends to increase during the early 20s and reaches its peak around age 30. I'll stop there. Bunch of random thoughts, facts that we will probably address in different shapes and forms, but I just thought that would just plant interesting seeds as we continue the conversation. Wally, get us started. Yeah, so we can do this two ways. Um, we mentioned Meg Jay's book, which was a fantastic book. Yes, fantastic book by everybody who's read it. Um, and in the and, book, she, she looks at categories hmm. that one can use to examine their twenties, and we also have categories of which one can just visually think about if you're not going to think about your entire decade that just passed, right? So, I think we can either start with pretty much, I think Meg Jay's categories, um, mm-hmm. because I think they will def- definitely cover the other ones that you put down on paper anyway. Yeah. So the first thing Meg Jay talks about in her book, and this is not a Meg Jay episode, but it's just a good way to categorize and structure our thoughts, right? It's the concept of um, identity capital, right? And if I remember correctly, identity capital infers a couple of things. But most importantly, she talks about how this is a concept that pretty much captures everything that you've put into yourself in your 20s or at least up to the data which you're reading about it and this could be everything this could be everything professionally everything you've done in terms of your what's up, whatever's in your cv right but it could also be things that are not able to be seen on your cv so things that probably not quantifiable mm-hmm. right the kind of person you've um, the interest you've emerged yourself in the hobbies you've you've put yourself to to be immersed in, the kinds of um topics, areas, things you like to position yourself in, all those things fit into perhaps what makes you different from the other person, right? Because again, identity is about two things: about you and also how you negotiate yourself with other people. Yeah, um, just wanted to quickly read the thing. Of course. Yeah, so identity capital is our collection of personal assets. It is a repertoire of individual resources that we assemble over time. These are the investments we make in ourselves, the things we do well enough or long enough that they become a part of who we are. Some identity capital goes on a resume, such as degrees, jobs, test scores, and clubs. Other identity capital is more personal, such as how we speak, where we're from, how we solve problems, how we look. Um, all right. That was kind of like it, just to put the benchmark there. So let's, let, let's stop setting context. So for you, when you think about identity capital, I guess... Um, yeah, can you describe your audit on debit or should I go first? Um, I can try audit this one because this, this might be quite easy because um, for me, an identity-wise has kind of shifted every other year, right? So a typical mm. person would probably have left university and then began some kind of hustling quote, right? Either yeah. as an entrepreneur or as an employee or someone figuring stuff out. Yeah. But at some point in that line, whenever you land on whatever path you're going for, whether it's entrepreneurship or as an employee, you begin to identify as a, perhaps someone in a job, an employee, a worker, 
someone who works in the industry you're in. So if you're in tech, you say, "Oh, I'm a tech guy," whatever it is. Mm. But if you're also an, if you're also if you're if you're actually an entrepreneur, you identify yourself as business owner, right? So that begins to be how you see yourself in the world. Even how people talk to you, how you speak to them, you imagine yourself as that because that's actually who you are. Yeah. And then obviously in your career, profession, whatever you choose, it also then means you that also affects how you what other assets you carry on. Right. Mm. Because if you're if you're somebody who's an entrepreneur, you like it to be very, very independent. You like it to be able to um, make certain decisions that are tough. I like it to be able to um, also be very structured in terms of planning for the next year, forecasting about finances, et cetera, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're an employee, then there's some certain things that you have to, have to be more, much, much more key, like teamwork, collaboration, et cetera. Mm-hmm. My point is those, those assets then fit into your other life. Lives? Your other lives, but other parts of your lives. Other parts of your life as well. Yeah. But for me, given that... At some point after 21, I imagined, okay, 21, probably going to go into the world of work. But then at 23, went into, went into the world of an MSc degree. But then doing the MSc degree, I was thinking, okay, I'll go into the world of work again. And then 24, PhD idea emerged and the PhD came. And then during the PhD, you had a vision of what you would be after. Okay, I'm probably going to stay in academia. Then the PhD ended, and then I'm like, oh, okay, no. Well, before it ended, I'm like, okay, no, actually, I won't go back into industry. But the point is, across all these benchmarks, right, you're preparing for the future, which means you're trying to get certain assets in. So even though the student label might be on you for quite a minute, right, in that four or five years of, not four or five years, even from 21, pre-student to student, you have so many perhaps mini goals or mini visions of where your life is going to be in three years or two years, which means that you're kind of trying to get or achieve certain mini things. So for example, at the point of trying to get into a master's degree, your minimum is trying to find the right school, the right place and craft your, your statements properly, right? But once you get into the master's degree at that point, you're thinking of a job. Right, so that means you're thinking, okay, well, what skills can I get to get the job that I want? Which means I'm taking part in certain activities to give me those skills, right? But then when you, when you get to the point where the job should be on your radar, but something else that's not a job comes across your radar, which is the PhD, you're thinking, oh, okay, what do I then need to do to get this PhD? Yeah. So, and then once you then get into the PhD again, you're thinking of the future, okay, after the PhD, I'm going to go into this field. But then two years down the line, that, that vision you had two years ago has changed, which then means you then say, okay, okay, I'm not going to that field of academia. I'm going to the field of industry. What do I need to get yeah. into that field now? So like my point is like every three, two years, every three years, you can say every two, three years, there was a perhaps recycle or, or rejig of what the vision was supposed to be and what it currently is. So and so. <clears throat> How does that so connect? That, so that means that all, all the, you can say, assets that one would have built if they had a single identity professionally from 22, mine was not straightforward because I didn't have, a, I didn't have an identity or a vision, or vision identity as one thing across mm-hmm. the last 10 years. Okay. 
question to you now um if you were to pick if you were to redo the journey knowing what you know now what like would you choose the same path of obviously not building enough capital significantly in one space or would you still pick this it's a very obviously some straightforward yeah. question yeah i i guess it's hard to answer because there's some people who want to leave university they kind of know what they want to do not not, not particularly the kind of job title yeah i don't mean that but they probably just know okay i am going to i, I see myself in a white collared white collar blue no yeah white collar job color. when when so tired to work every day yeah one thing I would say here is that some programs in school, courses in school, lend themselves to more clarity and next steps. For example, if you pick a professional program like law or medicine, sometimes engineering, in a sense that obviously if you if you go on the medical yeah, path, yeah, they, you understand. They, they, tr- they trigger like your a fixed career path. Yeah. For most cases. For right? most cases. Yeah. My co- for example, my, my cousin studied medicine. Yeah. Full doctor, but she's, she's not. A, she's not. Yeah. She's not. She's not a practicing doctor but, right but, now. But but I think it's it's always more shocking when that happens. That happens. Yeah. When yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. Yeah. So okay. so I guess on the, on the on the on the resume part, because there was no. Because I didn't have. I never had a fixed. Set plan, that stuck. For yeah. for stuck beyond three years. It meant that all my assets were so general. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. cause, cause I want I one period I'm preparing for a job. Next period I'm preparing for school. I thought I was preparing for a job now. Then I'm I'm preparing, I'm preparing to get a, a, a scholarship. Yeah. And I'm preparing for a job in a certain sector. And then that changes and I'm preparing for a job in a certain, in a certain sector again. Hmm. So there it's only until like maybe even now I'm now thinking okay now that I'm thirty, I've landed in a space that okay now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where I am now, I could not have fathomed, and I don't mean where I am now in terms of in life, but I just mean the space. professional space yeah. I am in now could not be yeah. fathomed even five years ago, let alone ten years ago. So my assets in my, in my identity has kind of like not been very fixed on one thing, mm-hmm. but quite generalist yeah. in a way yeah absolutely um so so let, let me dive here so that we can also pick up a bit of pace as well um i think for me i never really had a central idea that was driving me of oh i'm going to be xyz particularly because i was that kid that could do a bunch of different things not excellently superbly well to be the best of the best but just enough to prove competence in those spaces so either in school i didn't necessarily think i was going to have a career in football or anything but you know i wanted to try out with the football team in school that was something um i played double around with music for quite a bit as well but i didn't do it in the sense that i thought i was going to be like some wild star rapper or beat producer now while doing those things i imagined a potential future but it was never just the only future Right. So even while I was making beats and doing stuff, I didn't think that I, I did want it to be big, but I didn't think that that was the only big thing I would be doing. Um, then there was the element of like my faith and what I was doing in church and things like that. But I think that was just another expression of some of the creativity that I, I felt I had as well. When you then come to academics, um, I guess I wanted to be an engineer or and at some point I switched to architecture. 
then I switched back to engineering. We all know the stories on different episodes of the podcast. You can send me a question or they ask us anything for me to list the specific episodes where I talk about the story in full. So let's use that feature. Um, that would be, be another audit. Another audit, yeah. But, but and I kind of remember the episodes where they came up quite successfully. Um, but I think in my fourth year, so engineering program, four, five years, in my fourth year, I was kind of like sure that I didn't want to do that full time or only thing in my career that was because i did a six month internship i looked around saw a lot of amazing people but i was like yeah that's not the life i want for myself and so that almost like wally kind of like brought me into a reset category where i'm like okay what else can i then do and so i was kind of like looking around and this is where serendipity and just again increasing your surface area of potential things that you can do comes into play when it comes to capital so um there's something called weak ties with identity capital which is almost like those connections that you run into that are not necessarily strong connections. They're not your family. They're not your closest friends. Maybe they're your colleagues in some kind of way, but they're people that don't know so much about you. But because of yeah, that they're fact... Like, they're like second degree connections for the yeah. most part. At, at the closest second degree, yeah. if not third, in fact. In fact, exactly. But the beauty of that is because you think that, oh, the people that can help you the most are the people that know you the most. But there's sort of like a lot of diminishing returns that happens there where because they know you so well the things that they expose you to are quite limited because they maybe they come across an interesting opportunity, but they're like, ah, no, I know Wally likes ABC, so Wally will not like this. Whereas Wally might be, in that moment, hasn't communicated to anybody yet, but is thinking and maybe has some few thoughts about that thing. But only a weak tie that doesn't know anything about you as much will see something and think like, oh, Wally could be interested and then show it to you. Now, that's been the story of how I got into like what I'm doing for the most part. Um, because weak ties continued to expose me to things that I took advantage of. So if I look and audit my identity capital, I'll be like, I'll say it's been the, um, I won't say optimization, but definitely like the bedding of of weak ties and weak ties becoming sort of like an important part to play. Yeah. So so that's so now that's like mostly the professional career part. Yeah. But perhaps the interesting part as well that people might also like to hear is the. Um, personal it's more personal so this is reason to how we speak where we are from how we solve problems and how we look how we look <laughs> um, do you want me to go first here I and guess, then you dive in um, perhaps also how we build ourselves slowly yeah um, no you, you can you can continue um okay so just thinking okay. about the other side yeah. those 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 personal bits what what do you think is has been built bit by bit yeah. About his last 10 years. Yeah. Has so let me see. The way you are. So 10 years ago, 20, I was 20, which is kind of like at the tail end of, of school. Because sometimes you think about 10 years ago and you're thinking, oh yeah, when I was getting into uni, but 10 years ago, kind of like finishing. Oh, geez. Um, but anyways, I think how I speak, where I'm from and how I solve problems, I think... Um. So my, 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 my half-brothers or my brothers and sisters would say this thing that I think we had different childhoods growing up for different reasons. And although we have to share the same last name, um, I think there's, there's different ways that we've ended up being shaped due to the circumstances in our lives where some major events happened. So I was much younger when our dad passed away. And so I got to live a very, very different life. Um, whereas, you know, they were a bit m much older. They were past their teen years, I think most of them. And so that also presented them the different ways to approach life. So I think for me, 
a large part of the way my life has been shaped is that for a certain period of my life, I got exposed and I was on the regular pathway of, I guess, everyone else in my family, right? In terms of the, I guess, a middle class, upper middle class environment, you know, going to a fancy school, quote unquote, and just all of those simple things that you'd associate with, you know, all of that. And then I kind of like went from there to still having education and all those things taken care of, but just being exposed to a very completely different world of, you know, I guess more and more middle class and that. I don't like the fact that I'm using economic classes to differentiate it, but I hope you guys can catch the drift beyond those those tags and labels. But I think I just went from from there to a slightly different, you know, situation. Went to start to go to a different caliber of schools. Funny enough, ISI is sort of like a microcosm of or I guess a bigger, okay, my cousin of my life in the sense that ISI, maybe 20, 30 years before we came in, was that international fancy school where, you know, there was like a diverse cast of, of people and backgrounds mm. from where they were from. It was called the international school. But then by the time we were getting in, it was international mostly just in a name because I would say like 99% of everybody in the school was kind of like Nigerian in some kind of way, maybe even grew up here, for example. Maybe a small percentage were like, um, I just got back people where their parents are moving them into, you know, moving them into a school like this because they're probably doing lao lao in what you would call the fancy school. So anyways, that was kind of like my own story as well in a sort of way, having both exposures, but still being covered by that shape of international in that kind of way. So I'll say that's honestly been a lot about what has shaped me. Um, and in terms of the things I do well enough, I think it's that thing of always being curious and again, I think, okay, final thing I'll say here is there's something about like surface areas and the amount of opportunities it exposes you to. So I think I was very, always very open to trying out new things that interested me and I was never really in one spot. So in church, I would do, I was mostly known as the guy that dances, but I also could also play the keyboards. So I'll spend time with the dance team, but then also go to the choir um, and, you know, play there. And then one day, I was, you know, we're preparing for this program and I saw the drama team doing auditions and, you know, they were struggling to find someone to really carry a particular role. And I was like, oh, I can give it a try. And I did. And I ended up getting the parts. And then it led into another like doors of like me consistently doing that for like three years. So I think that always just stayed with me where I wouldn't necessarily price myself out of out of certain things if I think I am. I would enjoy doing something. I would go for it. The only things I don't do are the things that the only reason for me doing them is because everybody says it's the right thing to do, right? So if anything feels like a standard pathway that everybody needs to follow, I almost go into that thing of, well, I'm not going to do that then because I can't really see the reason why, which has its plus and minuses, which we'll probably get to in other sections. But yeah, I'll, I'll cap my... my... So, so, so I was thinking even a bit more of... um naming people as well because if i look at things such as how i look at the world how i fix my life how i solve problems how i tackle challenges how i make myself happy how i navigate the world generally um i think in terms of what has shaped that for me i think i'll name because you can name a couple of things it could be people it could be experiences and it could be maybe places environmental um influences right that's probably the last the third one out of the trifecta i think people wise it's hard for me to say names before 18 
um, because my childhood was very, not very, was quite solitary, given that despite having siblings, there was a couple of years gap. So which means like my milestones of education were always years later than they had hit that, right? So which means if I was in secondary school, they were already in uni. If I was in uni, they already left the home, etc. Like, So anyway, um, a lot of time was spent in terms of introspection. Um, so I'll say a key shape for sure has been family structure because then I did a lot of introspection by myself as a kid. And even though I hung out my mom and going out and stuff, my mind was always thinking of things, but like an internal dialogue. Mm. And, why, and, why, and why I'm highlighting that is because that still exists today to, into how I see and process problems. Right, so that's one thing. Um, I'll say perhaps it's weird because in uni, not doing so well in uni, doing, being very average in undergrad, there was no kind of influence for that except myself. Right? I, I can't name one person who made me not do better except my own self. Right? They had, I had no bad influence. Like, and because I remember in uni, um, having chat to my friend one time and saying, because this is when we had a carryover in like third year, and we're just like, what is wrong with us? We don't go clubbing. We don't chase girls. We're not, so like, we're not having any vice. So why are we then not doing well? Why you no call no book? You know? <laughs> so, and I remember having to shout to my friend very, like, very, very, very vividly. And we're like, why are we not doing well? Like, what's going on? Mm. And the reason was just because we just did not care enough. Mm. As simple as that. And we cared later. Um... But I think it was maybe that experience after I had to struggle to make up the grades, go to like summer school, etc. And then I was like, ah, okay, now nah, I've got to wake up, right? Because yeah. I'm not better than that. And yeah. then co- coincidentally, I think me, me then staying, in, staying, with my, staying with my cousins and my cousin's dad, mm. my biological auntie's husband, was definitely a big influence in how I began to rethink the world. Because he he was probably quite um, first of all he was very very hospitable in terms of his approach to things and he was very very relaxed and probably was was my first introduction to meeting someone quite old but yet very relatable mm. right by what I mean like a father age kind of bracket yeah. very relatable. But also, nature of his work, um, he had, like, a library of books. So, and that, that kind of exposed me to, his, his work was consulting at the time, um, was well, one, of, one of his jobs and one of his, his works. That kind of exposed me to reading about, read, just, just reading, enjoying reading for no purpose. But not reading books, but reading theoretical stuff, mm. right? And I would spend time reading stuff in his library just for no reason. Maybe like never take slides. I was just going to read like a book on management when I have no interest in that. Mm. But what I then did for me was, if you remember, there was time when I was trying to do something, something consulting wise. Yeah. When I had zero experience. It's because I began to imagine that kind of world where I existed in. 
So anyway, so what that then influenced me was my ability to then take a lot of interest in self-generated interest in learn, learning about abstract concepts that probably require some kind of educational tool to learn. And then of course, going into my MS degree, that was, that was very, very useful, incredibly useful for me to do very well. Yeah. And I think from that, from my MSc all the way down here, I can't think of any people or any person that, any person that I can say was a big influence into my personal, my, uh, my personal identity capital. Hmm. Right. I'm trying to think now. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm omitting somebody huge, but I don't, I think everything would just be little doses of actions by every, like people that you yeah. encounter, yeah. but not yeah. one standout. Standard. Yeah. It, yeah. So, so for me, I, I think it's the same thing in terms of people. And then we can move into the next category. I think, um, for example, in terms of how I approach like faith and how it involves or it mixes into my everyday life. Actually, for, for, for yeah. most category, let me just end by saying, because I mentioned people, environment and experiences. Places. Yeah. Oh, environment yeah, places. So, yeah, so environment-wise, I think an obvious one is moving to Lagos, but also moving to the UK mm. on, on undisputed answers. For sure. Right? Because then the UK gives you some kind of validation on some some of the some of some of the efforts you make in life. One plus one becomes two. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. But then in terms of um experiences, I would say definitely like obviously the graduation from undergrad. Um but one thing that probably also shaped was also having many experiences of success when I moved here. By that I mean whenever you did like any tiny endeavor that was whether related to a coursework or at a house party. But that kind of showed you your strengths. But endeavors or experiences that you probably would not have gotten or seen if you were not in those environments. So for example, thriving in in talking about a business, an app idea in a classroom when you know that this app idea is bogus, but you can sell it to people and get high marks. And they realize that actually I can make up stuff as I go along as a as a skill. Yeah. Right? Or if you or if or if you're if you're in a if you're in a party and then you can get people together to feel very relaxed. So I think in terms of experiences, it's little little experiences, same as little same as the people one, I guess. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. want to add that just so that I might complete that trifecta yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I'll say like there's a bunch of things that you were saying that I could relate to. Like you said, I think we just approached the question from different um, perspectives as well. I think spending time as an only child definitely entered that reflection bit um, in terms of how there was a lot of inward looking for me as well growing up. Um, I never, like, I, I always had friend groups, but not friend groups that necessarily followed me home. So my home time was almost just spent, you know, playing one player games, uh, Master League on, on football. Man, you've had well, one player games. I, I used to make up, and I remember I was young, I would play with like, like bottles and products, like yeah. shampoo bottles, yeah, yeah, yeah. and imagine like they were they were toy characters. 
yeah so there's just something about spending a lot of time alone as a as a child that i guess could have positive and negative effects but the positive side is that you come i guess relatively a very reflective person that doesn't necessarily need external interactions for some kind of validations like i always knew how to have fun on my own and that meant certain things didn't necessarily pull me out of like i wasn't necessarily thrilled by going to parties and stuff like that because for me that wasn't even the way I thought about having fun in the first place, right? And not to say going to parties in the bathroom, I'm just saying like the kind of experiences I found myself leaning into even growing up and in my 20s were definitely things that I guess I had embedded from the kind of environments and spaces I spent time in. We can go on and on by, about this section, but I just chapsley, said chapsley, God, I can't remember last time I said that word. Um, so I, I opened something that really outlines the categories beyond what you said in, it's still from Meg Jay's book, but um, there's a section called the difficulty of happiness and the quote there is if we only wanted to be happy it would be easy but if we want to be kept happier than other people which is almost always difficult since we think them happier than they are should i read that again did you catch that read that again please right. i i caught it but I, maybe yeah okay if we only wanted to be happy it would be easy but we want to be happier than other people but we want to be happier than other people, which is almost always difficult since we think them happier than they are. Um, so anyways, I'm going to come at this from, I don't know how this refers to auditing. I don't, maybe we should skip this particular one. But that is, that's not like a comparison thing, but go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to say like, for me, auditing my life, I guess I never really, I won't say I didn't compare myself to other people. Um, Wait, I thought sorry to cut you, but I thought yes. I thought you were gonna talk about weak ties next. Weak ties was under identity capital, so we already kind of like did that because remember I spent some sections talking about it. So what you wrote down there were not the full categories; like they were all associated with identity capital, even including on thought nodes. Um, I let me see telegrams for living your partner dating and working down dangers of on being criticized growth mindset taking responsibility for your life i don't know anyways actually let me let you drive let's what direction do you want us to go with next after i think i'll talk about social media that's a good one um mm, but I I, guess it's, and, I, and i think the weak ties we can just touch on it quickly because one thing you can mention about weak ties is the fact that obviously you are now Maybe just a reminder, I guess, because obviously you're now a co-founder of VFA. I'm sure you probably mentioned this on podcast before, as you, as you said, you you people who've perhaps been key to this journey that you've on. But yeah. I think we can definitely confirm the fact. Maybe we don't go into too much detail time, but we can definitely confirm the fact that part of where we are now, professionally and perhaps as human beings, is because of weak ties. Yeah. Um, because someone, someone somewhere said something. Someone somewhere read that email. Someone somewhere just said, oh, yeah, I know a guy. Right. Yeah. So I guess the message from that is, from the weak type perspective, which we're not going to, is it is legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is legit. Um, yeah. It is very legit. And perhaps lesson for weak ties is for everyone to maybe understand that each person you encounter in life could be the difference maker. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's your job to understand how you can manage potential difference makers yeah across your life it's obviously it's hard because you meet people every every week every month every year but mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. one can be a difference maker either then then and then or at some point in the future yeah yeah 
Exactly. One of that part to be... Check, go on, go on. No, no. Go on. Let me see what you No, I was going to go on to the next point. Oh, no, no. So I was going to say... Um, so like, if you want to think about, you know, just the power of weak ties, it's that, you know, information and opportunities spread farther and faster through weak ties because close friends... Uh, because with weak ties, you have less overlapping you know, mm. contacts and mm. interests and that things like that. So, um, so this isn't about, oh, cause again, you can do the negative side of this is now approaching life with that sort of like, you know, I would always network my way to success kind of vibe. Like it's not necessarily about that. Like I guess networking, no, yeah, 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 networking yeah. is, is part of it. But I think, you know, while we spend a lot of our time, like developing relationships with like close friends and I'm reading something out here. Um, actually, you know, scratch that. So the point is just whenever, don't close yourself off to the possibility that someone that doesn't know you quite well can expose you to things that could be quite useful, right? And don't remove the need. Because, you know, there's this thing of, okay, if someone is in need, for example, your friend calls you and somebody else you don't know call you, calls you, like, you know, would you go to your friend first? Like, just, you know, there's this thought about sort of like channeling all your energy towards relationships that are very familiar to you. But even the Bible says like a, a friend close by is better than a brother that is far away. So sometimes it's really about proximity, right? And so if you always think about the spaces that you're in, about, you know, who's closest to you. And this is actually a reminder for me because I have this thing where in, in here in Ghana, I, I have a tendency to isolate myself into certain circles. But there are other opportunities outside of work. I think on the work front, I... I manage weak ties quite well, but on the non-work front, I'm a bit, you know, on the guarded side when it comes to like weak ties. But technically my work life kind of like ended up influencing my personal life more recently, which we will talk about on a much more later episode. But let's carry on. Next thing. Next thing I think is um is that social, media? social media because this is probably one that I don't think many will think about. Or maybe I'm not giving people credit. Maybe people think about it. Uh, and apologies for that. But I'm 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 trying to deep how social media has 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 led my life to this to where it is right now. Because <laughs> obviously, like for us, we were part of the start of social media, 2005, Facebook. You know, we we ran that that app, but it's come a long way since then. We have a billion social media apps now. Um. But surely, surely, somehow, these these things have made us who we are today in some kind of way. You know, um, mm. but I can't figure out too much how. I I guess it depends on what we will classify as. Like, are we differentiating the internet and living life out on the internet versus just social media? Because the way well, you're living life out on the internet, you're probably using social media for that. Sorry. Crash that phrase because that phrase puts us in that box. I was trying to talk about like, would we classify, I guess, the kinds of things that we try to expose ourselves to on YouTube and stuff like that as part of the social media content? Are you talking about this, like oh, Instagram? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, could be yeah. both. Yeah. Um, I guess obviously the simple answer for that one is for many of us who probably my age, um. You can you can argue that we've seen the entire shift evolution of content creation and just social media, right? Mm. But I think regardless of the age, we all began to use things like YouTube intensely at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think there's only one point in time, which was maybe like about seven years, six, 
I mean, I've seen maybe like eight years ago when YouTube was the go-to search for video for every single person. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's quite standard. I guess, I guess maybe there is no context for us in social media angle, but it might be for others. But I brought yeah. it up because there might be for others because if you think about it, we've been using, this has become part of our daily lives for like, 12 years straight. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out if someone is so, I've been so caught to our daily life for 12 years straight, which, which is an incredible amount of, amount of time if you think about it. That's yeah. daily life. Maybe not every day, but you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? I wanna, yeah. So the way I'm thinking about it is that some, some, some social media apps have had or have a greater power to change more things about the way people operate and do social interactions. Some have, like some, some when they first came, really just amplified things that we were already doing, whereas other things created new ways and created new dynamics. And the way I'm thinking about it is how, like I feel like Snapchat kind of like introduced that whole, this, the idea of stories and the idea of chatting with people and it's ranking your conversations mm. in terms of mm. so you get so that always like giving people something to aim at in their friendships and giving people more things to compare and score themselves like gamifying friendships is what i would say snapchat has done um but depending on if you're someone that caught on to that wave that wouldn't change your influence as much because for me i'm not a snapchat person so a lot of what snapchat has done to change the narrative and to change social dynamics and relationships I wouldn't say it had the biggest effect on me in that sense, right? Um, if we move to Instagram, I think for me, Instagram felt to our generation at the start as more just like a a more dedicated Facebook when Facebook started to get noisy. You get, right? So obviously Facebook first started off as friends, all of those things. People share photos, do random things, just a way to put your thoughts out there and have everybody kind of like see it. And then, you know, decide to move into the app section where you play games and do different things, do all these quizzes and all of those kinds of friend games that people used to do, both on High Five and then Facebook. But I'm thinking for Instagram, I know my perspective about sh- being online has changed quite a lot. I think there was a season where I was the person that would post like everything. Like for me, it was just, I, I had no filter in that sense because I didn't, I, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I feel like some people cared a lot more about their sort of like personality online and they would be, they were more curated about it and they wouldn't say certain things. I kind of like made it my own thing not to really care. I was a person where on Blackberry Messenger, I feel like there were sometimes I'll put some very like disgusting pictures, like maybe of poop or something. Like just honestly, just trying to, so it wasn't, it, it was more like just trying to go against the grain and prove a point. It's like I didn't actually care and this didn't change who I was as a person in that sort of way. Maybe I pushed the limit a few th- times, but then I moved from that into a more dramatic stance where I was a lot more considered about things that I was posting on Instagram. Like I wasn't posting as often, only once in a while. I think I also went through that phase on Twitter as well, where I was, every single thing I was going through my mind, particularly between 2008 and 2010, my first two years in uni, Twitter was definitely a crutch for me because, yeah, I don't know. It was a very, like, I was Yeah, but this point expert- you mentioned, this, this, yeah. this, this phases are actually pre, these are like teenage phases. So this is, this is a ah, way, fair way point. back. Fair point. Okay, let's move forward. This is, this, is, this is way, way back. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but it kind of builds into it because. Yeah, it does. Dr- it does. Yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Because during my 20s, I think um, maybe my teen, teenage years and early years were 
all of all about expression and exposure and all of those things. I think I became a lot more reserved online in my twenties. So I was a lot more considered. I started to think about shaping a brand in that sort of way. And I was a bit deliberate about things I was putting because again, you don't know who's whatever, whatever. But I think I've now moved from there in my late twenties into um I guess sharing a lot less about my thoughts, but also not as um not as curated as I was after, right? You know, so I said, teens, share everything you like, is your personality, put it out there. Early 20s, sort of like, curate your profile, be a bit professional. You want to be able to, like, I made all my usernames the same, my first name, last name everywhere, because I wanted to be searchable, which is wild now, now that I think about it. But again, it's been the thing. But in my late 20s, I've been more like, you know, um, I don't share as much, but I'm also not too concerned about curation. So for example, I'll, I'll give this um, story and then I'll let you jump in. I got invited for a conference and they asked for my Twitter and my LinkedIn. And I, deb- I hesitated a second because I'm like, in regular tech bros, Twitter has a certain vibe to it. <laughs> my own Twitter is pretty much either Love Island or football. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and it was a problem because I was looking through, I went to look, I looked through my timeline and I'm like, okay, this, like, because I don't think about it. I just, like, for me, it's just a way when you're watching something, it's my way of interacting and engaging with what I'm watching. And it's either football or I, more recently it was Love Island. Now it's back to football. And so I, those are my only original tweets. Everything else is just me liking or commenting on something, never actually like posting any thoughts. Because I think, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast that the podcast became that point where I felt like it was much more of a better medium to share any thoughts and to really talk about issues. For some people, that's Twitter. I'm thinking of a couple of my friends now where Twitter is their, is really their own conversation pod. And I don't fault them for it, but me and you have talked about how Twitter can lose a lot of nuances and things just become a this or that affair. Um, and think, I think I'm blessed to have the podcast to be able to have that or those sorts of conversations, what I would say. So I'll, I'll pause there. Um, in terms of sort of like how social media and just auditing my life there. Yeah, I think that's a very good reflection on social media and your relationship with it. I don't think mine is one quarter <laughs> as good as that, to be honest. I don't even think I can even fathom what my thoughts were at the point of the emergence and at the point of when we were regular adopters of social media. Mm. Um <sighs> If I think back to perhaps the early days, um, the early days being 20 years old, perhaps what was common for me was the fact that maybe Snapchat and Instagram. But bear in mind, one thing that was key for me as well was I was never like a smartphone. Like I never had latest smartphones. Mm. Right? So... I never had, I mean, I never had layer smartphones after uni particularly, right? So I had like bare ordinary phones, like just ordinary phones compared to the average Nigerian cool kid at the time. They <laughs> say Nigerian so, cool kid screaming. So, <laughs> so what that meant was you're partaking in social media activities were not particularly the same mm. as people in the times of Snapchat becoming quite regular. Instagram becoming quite regular. At that point, Instagram didn't have stories then. Mm. Um, so I guess maybe that just led me to a kind of approach where I would 
post once in a while and they make it like mm. one nice photo if I go if I go somewhere. Right. But but my but my Twitter use was never really strong anyway in those years. So I didn't have a medium to contribute thoughts regularly anyway. And I guess maybe then moving away and starting starting in the UK and things like that. That those those habits just stuck, I guess. Maybe not habits, but those patterns just stuck. Um, I wouldn't say I was an oversharer. I wouldn't say I was an undersharer. I don't, I don't say I don't say I was a sharer, but I don't I, I don't I don't particularly see how. Maybe maybe not today anyway, but I'm I'm i about it for like last one day. I I'm yet to see how it's really impacted my twenties social media use, but it must have because it's such a daily activity. But maybe I'm just not advanced enough yet in my thinking, in my processing to extract. So, yeah. So that's why I mentioned the point about are we adding YouTube to it? Because I feel like, you know, for some, for some of us or so some people out there, I think a lot more of our time was spent consuming. I, I guess maybe consumption patterns on social media also is what maybe we should is what might be easier to speak about versus how you use them to display yourself, right? So it's like. Um, for me, I never white TikTok. I never really caught on to TikTok as much. Is that I don't know the whole like funny videos, all of those sorts of things, and just short form things, like things that come hit and quick, hit quick and go. Never really caught on to me. Like I always like spending time with things, and yeah. I call them ra- rabbit holes. So all these like short form requires short attention span sort of things. Never really spoke as much to me because. You show me a, a one minute clip and you make a point in there and I have so many follow-up questions and I'm already watching the next video, but I'm like, oh wait, I need to like, so for me, it almost leads me to leaving the video and then looking to go and find a lot more. I think video commentaries on YouTube were my kind of thing where people would like, I think just helped me see that you could be as detailed as you want about any random thing in this world. And it made me much, a much more confident in terms of finding something I was passionate about and just going as deep as I want to in it without caring how it connects to anything else at the time when I'm looking for it. So I do that quite often and it's reflected in so many different ways. And I think that's what has stayed with me most when it comes to the internet, the ease of just being able to dive down into structured like rabbit holes. And not even for like, I know when I when you hear me say rabbit hole, you might think something very sort of like academic or whatnot. Sometimes like the most random thing, I feel like all I know about football now beyond watching it, all the analysis and stuff is from like, just looking at people be very passionate about what they talk about. about when it, yeah, football. yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also sort of like, sometimes even about music, like I do this thing sometimes where before it was very difficult to get songs, obviously growing up, but now it's everywhere, streaming and all of that. So I do something sometimes when I, I pick a song and then I, I try to look for all the different covers I can find of my favorite songs. And I just stack a playlist of like 15 songs that have the same title, <laughs> but just like different people just to like listen and see if I find something like a twist on something that I like. I do that once in a while. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I can, I think that's what I'll say about social media where depending on consumption levels and what you expose yourself to, I think that would determine how much it's kind of like shaped or didn't shape in that sense. Hey everyone, interrupting your listening for some very, very quick announcements. 
so like we said at the start we're launching a patreon account or we have launched a patreon account where you can get access to our cinema therapy episodes which is episodes where wale and i watch a movie that unpacks an episode we've done in the previous week so if you want to get access to those episodes moving forward check out the patreon link in the description and subscribe subscribe sign up sign up we would be so glad to have you we would also be sharing a lot more behind the scenes content and other interesting things just to make you feel more a part of what it is that we're building here um if you haven't followed us on instagram already now is a good time to do so if you're not like driving or something uh and follow us on twitter as well well is going to share more about all of that information at the end of the podcast as well but i'll let you get back to your listeners shortly i hope you're enjoying the episode catch you at the end let's move then to perhaps the elephant, elephant in the room yeah. which might it's an elephant in the room but actually might be very very quick the relationship love aspect of, of the 20s yeah 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 yeah, yeah, um, yeah yeah um i can go first very very quick yes hit, hit us um so i guess you can say it was a decade of she know <laughs> Okay, I I don't know where that's coming from, but we have to take that back. I know I'm taking it back. I just I just it just because goes. first of all, that is fundamentally false. Wait, <laughs> can you text me? What does she not mean again? Let me let me know yet. It doesn't sound good. Whatever it is, it doesn't sound like me. It doesn't sound good. So just take it back. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> just I was actually just messing around, but she not is. I I feel like it's just. Like sowing your oats in a kind of way, and that could mean anything. But just like when that annoying phrase of boys being boys or whatnot. Oh no 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 yeah, no, no, yeah, no exactly no no that wasn't my twenty. Look yeah, and I and I know it looks to you, Toby. Say like, looks to you. <laughs> I know I know it looks to you, but that was not my that was not my life. Um, <laughs> like I said, I was so just fully I think I know I know I know I yeah. think obviously twenty two years old was when I. 20, 21 years old was when I was 20, sorry, 21, 22 when I was single um, so I can say I think I've had not I think three serious relationships in my life mm. um, including the one I'm in right now and by serious I mean you know what serious means I don't, I don't explain what serious means um but in between those, there have been potential serious ones. Mm-hmm. Some that didn't make it, some that did not convert, some that did not happen. And in between those, there have been just consequential acts of male behavior. <laughs> right? But I guess my point is, in, in all of that... What is what is what is fascinating to me in my audition of love and relationships is never once did I lose my sense of like right and wrong. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't mean there are no stories where I was not a villain. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but never once did I lose my sense of right and wrong, and which is why when I said she knows, like definitely not because. Not relationships that people call situationships or things that were not defined, things that were playful, whatever. 
I think even in those, I always maintain a sense of right and wrong. And that will translate into maybe brutal honesty or short-lived relationships. Mm. And again, I, I reiterate, doesn't mean I was not a villain in some stories. What it just meant was there were no moments where I categorically, consciously knew, knew hurt was in, was, was in the picture and drove it, maintained it, and stayed with it. For your own gains you know? and, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was just a matter of conscience. Yeah. So if, if I look at numbers, like obviously I'm, I'm not going to give numbers. I'm just going to say... Give your statistics. Sorry? I say give your statistics. <laughs> I just said... <laughs> You're pushing my buttons this afternoon, this evening. <laughs> um, it was one of, 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 of conscience. And I think that's probably one thing I am glad I, I had. Even though I'm ironically... I don't know if I, don't know if I say I'm glad, but... Why I say I'm glad is, as a guy, you know other guys who maybe go through similar, similar dating patterns as you do. But when they exit certain things, the way, the way they think about the exits, how you think about it is entirely different. Mm. And they can, some people can exit as if people, the people they just left from are like part of your cash in your, in your laptop that you, that you just clear your cookies you just clear <laughs> and it's gone right and that that's to come with some kind of perhaps absence, absence of conscience or something else yeah but I never had that because whenever I made did terrible things or bad things or things that were not so great there was tremendous guilt there was guilt that was parallel to whatever the the doing was yeah right yeah um so that meant that yes there was a conscience eventually behind these things and for me i think i i, I hope i've learned the lessons in terms of knowing everything that i am is everything that i am i mean no let me phrase that i hope i've learned the lesson in terms of knowing that everything you've gone through in the last 10 years relationship wise there, there are no like surprises that th- there are no surprise personal changes that would emerge yeah. because of things that you've experienced in the past. I hope I know everything already mm. that is that that has been tweaked based on these relationships. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how do how do I reflect on mine is more like I don't want to say delayed delayed exposure. Um, but that's pretty much like what it was. So in the sense that um, I think I got into a long-term relationship quite early on. Um, I think I was 20 at the time. Um, and I was in that for about six years. And like a consistent six years, no off and I guess maybe some kind of off and on for like a day or two based on, you know, one person being dramatic and the other person not being dramatic. But I, like, six years, it's a six years. You know, six years. Yeah. So from 20 to 26. Oh my God. Exactly. So, so when I say delayed sort of like exposure, it was, no, it wasn't six years. It was six years you were with this girl. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, but again, six years. Ah! Con- 
calm down now. Can you calm down? Are you are you calm? It wasn't six. Come on. Okay. It wasn't six. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say at this point. It was six. I was in three hundred level. When did you start the podcast? When did you start with podcast? We started the podcast in twenty twenty. And by twenty twenty. So that means it was two years later? What do you mean by two years later? Like when you said the podcast was two years after you broke up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, interesting. No, not two. Maybe like a yeah, yeah, two years. I've forgotten. Wait, twenty nineteen was kind of like when things sort of like ended for real, for reals. Um, but anyways, yeah. The point of that story is I'm saying like, whereas between say twenty and twenty six, I feel like that's where a lot of guys kind of like had the experiences of like you know, being not being around, but like. I guess being out there trying to Igboro, I get you. Yeah, Igboro, you know, figure out your game, all of those things. But me, like, I didn't think I had any game or whatnot because, again, I was, you know, hooked up with someone and would, you know, my intention was totally to for that to go all the way. Yeah, your lights just changed like significantly. Yeah, my intention was for that to go all the way. So coming out of that, right around the pandemic period as well, 2019, 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. I had two choices, or I had a couple of choices. Either stay, like, either just stay as I was and I guess wait for something to happen in a sort of way, the way it has always happened for me, where the way I start to get to know people is in in the course of doing life or to, you know, build up my game and try to do some outbound reach outs. <laughs> so instead of, <laughs> in, if we use a salesy term. So I think that's when I joined dating apps. Um, more to, it was like a, a shot in the arm to just go from the person that I was into like, okay, let's get into this like dating thing. There's a bit of hesitation because my faith was always going to be important to me and I knew these apps were, a lot of these apps, especially the ones that were available on the continent, had a certain like tone to them. So that was a bit of why I dealt with that sort of like mindset thing and, you know, went into it. And I did get a bunch of exposure and, you know, figured out my game. I, you know, turned everything into a process. Like, so at work, I used to be called the process guy and I carried that into sort of like this whole online editing thing because it can get quite repetitive and you can quickly run out of steam. So I just found a process to make the parts that I felt were repetitive as straightforward as possible for me and it seemed to work and i settled into a tone of things at the beginning it was a bit rough but i got a bit more confident with everything that i was doing um and that led to a couple of interactions and things like that um now more recently i've always thought of myself as sort of like that nice guy that doesn't really give anybody issues but and also that comes from people telling you you're a nice guy when they interact with you and try to compare you with people they've been with before and they're like oh you're so different blah 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 da, 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 da. Um. But I think at some point, that and I, I saw that that ended up putting me on some kind of pedestal where people now didn't, ex- when I then did certain things that, you know, maybe rubbed off on someone the wrong way, for them it was very hard to compute that, you know, mm-hmm. to who they thought I was. And it almost ended up being worse in the sense that if any other random guy did that to you, you would just like brush it off your shoulder as that's life. But because it's this guy that you thought was X, Y, Z is doing it. It now feels way more intense because it feels like I've gone out of my way to do something to you. Right. And the first time that that happened to me, <clears throat> and I know I'm being a bit vague here, but I, if you're following, because you actually don't know the full context. You. Exactly. Um, but the first time that happened to me, I was a bit like taken aback. Like, oh, am I actually a terrible guy? 
um, or just what is going on here. Um, and then it happened again and it almost kind of like became some kind of pattern. But I think what I took away from all of that was also a thing about like filters early on. Like early on, you can almost tell the people that think the same way as you in a certain kind of way. And once you start to see certain signs, it doesn't mean you should break off the connection, but you just have to be careful about how you do your things because not everyone is going to understand, but also be comfortable with people not understanding. I think that's what I've learned in the last like five years of being me that in that I think sometimes I can tend to be a, I don't say people pleaser, but I take the high road quite a lot in certain contexts. And I tried not to offend people, particularly people that I've gotten close in a certain kind of way. But at some point when you're spending a lot of mental energy kind of like trying to protect somebody else as opposed to, you know, yourself, it can become a quite a very toxic situation from a different point of view. So I think that that's kind of like what I learned. And there are people that might be listening to this right now. And like, I, I okay, I'll wrap up by saying I used to not want people to have bad things to say about me. But it gets to a point that you can't control that narrative no matter how, how hard you try. And so you can't. I'm very, like I've become more comfortable in the fact that there's people out there that when you, if my name comes up, some people will have very glowing recommendations and fantastic things to say. And some people, my name will rub them off slightly the wrong way. Not because I've done anything evil to them, but just like, yeah, that's kind of like it is, is how I put it. Right. And Am I okay with that? Pretty much. Because again, like you can't go around life trying to please everyone. And as long as for me, I feel like if all of these people were super genuine and not super genuine, but if we sat down with, together one day, try to talk all, the, all of these things out, like we would all make our points very clear and there'll be no love lost. But I think I, I don't, the other part of me that I, that I think I've learned from relationships is also that sometimes you don't have to, like, you don't have to be at peace, quote unquote, with everyone. Like, as long as it's within your power, if it's no longer within your power, trying to be at peace is just an unnecessary, like, exercise in futility. Um, and so, obviously, as long as you do, you not carry malice around and you're not doing anything, like, you don't have to be friend or friendly with everyone. It's kind of like what I've come away with at the end of the day. Um, and it sounds like a very, like, on Toby-like lesson to learn, but... For me, I think that's just how I've seen it because it does come with more drama than necessary when you try to put yourselves in the best light in front of everybody, especially when it's not within your power anymore. I will stop. The my main issue talk. with reflecting like this is that it's easy to reflect on the facts, but what is hard to do is reflect on the emotions and the feelings. Yeah. Because how you, how you reflect on the feelings is always mixed up with your current feelings and emotions. Mm. Um, Because as you were talking, I was thinking about how if I was single, how am I explaining my 20s or that to be different? How am I explaining now? Mm. And I don't know whether you say the same, but that's up to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's such a, this, this particular talk, this particular reflect audit of love Mm. It's very complex. And I think anybody listening will understand that because how you remember emotions and feelings is not the same of, it's not the same when you are single or not single. And also how you think of emotions versus facts that are in the past. It's not the same. Um, but what is quite, be, what is quite interesting to me is the fact that I probably never, ever know 
how much all these relationships that we had, just because there was a variety of them, I'll probably never know how much impact or where the impact or how they've influenced me right now. Mm. Because of the variety. If it was a limited yeah. number, you, you can easily deduce logically and perhaps with a bit of guessing as well. But when you have perhaps a more of a variety in terms of variety of seriousness, variety of whatever the variety is, it's hard to locate, right? Um, but I guess the point from that is, yeah, everyone who emerges into a romantic relationship at any point, definitely a product of either the inexistent one in the past, yeah, fair enough. Or, or everything they had in the past. Exactly. And maybe all you can hope for is to spot the defect that the past brings to the present and cure them. Yeah. That's all you can hope for. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so let's move into... Uh, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Go yeah, on. no, no. Yeah, I was, I was going to say pretty much the, what you've said as well. Like, it's all about like how you choose to move forward from it um, and, and the lessons that you're learning from it as long as you're, you're learning active lessons. Like for me, I know the things that I am carrying into the future from not just the previous relationship that didn't work out, but also the mini interactions and the variety of them, right? I think, you know, <laughs> people say there's a, there's, a th- there's a truth to people saying put yourself out there and whatnot because those experiences you learn. Um, but then, there's a limit to, you know, where the lessons stop and how much you should expose yourself because those are not the only ways to learn <laughs> um, lessons. Um, I think don't get fooled into thinking that you have to like be there to or be go through something to actually learn exactly what you need to learn from it. Um, I think a lot of people make that mistake a lot of times. And I think in recent times, I sometimes ventured into making that error, even though I knew, you know, it's just that when people say so much into your ear, like, what is this going on that you're even saying? Let me go on, you know. And then, yeah, I'll just say that. Design experiments for yourself. Be safe when you're designing your experiments, whatever safe means to you, um, and, you know, take lessons out of it. Next topic. So how have, how has your view on health changed over in your 20s? Mm. How has your view on money changed in your 20s? All right, the final two. Let's wrap those up together. Um, the health one, honestly, grateful that I have not had to deal with any like major health scares or whatnot. So on the health side, it's always mostly been leaning towards fitness. Um, first of all, in sort of like the kinds of things and ability of things that I could do, like dancing and not getting tired after like one hour of rehearsals and just maintaining fitness in that aspect and i picked up cycling and pushed my limits there okay well yeah this, this, we're talking about 20s picked up cycling pushed my limits there noticed that i didn't like the way that i looked in terms of weight size i was looking quite skinny over 2018 2019 um well 20, between 2016 and 2019 i think i was i was kind of like skinny people still call me skinny now but imagine calling me now skinny if i show you pictures from back then You'll have no what's going on. So I think um, I started to go to the gym and that also opened up a new world of, okay, so you can do certain things and 
it's almost like the reward thing you mentioned when you're talking about being in the UK and how you can put effort somewhere and then see the results. I think going to the gym was another like dimension of, wow, okay, interesting. Um, and you can see yourself evolve and develop and feel, feel and see yourself getting stronger. So I think for me, health has remained that thing of, I want to always be active um, and I want to be able to do certain things. All the stories of when you're 30, things start painting you somewhere that you haven't felt before and all of that. Like, I don't want that to be my story. No, bro, my knee's aching, actually. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've had this knee pain for like three weeks now. Yeah. Oh, carry on. Yeah, no, so for me, I, I feel like the aches and niggles will come, but for me, I don't, I'll never have the perspective of, oh, it's part of the aging thing. For me, I still think of myself as, obviously to a limit, but as the person that has the ability to do certain things. And honestly, we're still young, like you can still do certain things, but um, trying to be more cautious. I think early on, you know, I started to maybe pay a bit more attention to what I eat and what I don't eat. It's not as much as you do, um, but obviously just yeah no you do you do you do yeah you're ginger and everything in between um, <laughs> <laughs> so no um, that's different though yeah whatever Anyways. that's different my my potions are for preventing and for keeping my my immunity top notch uh, we're saying the same thing i don't know how that's different from what i just said about watching what you eat um anyways Fair enough. yes exactly so but but I, I started to pay a bit more attention and the easiest thing to cut out i tried to cut them out so for a while i don't like i i went on the nose okay so i'll find i'll end this point here before i move to the money thing but it's like for me i always try to make sure i'm more mastered by anything and so there are brief moments in time where i get on certain journeys not to make that my identity as the journey itself, like, oh, to be a fitness person, to be a gym bro, to be a cycling person, but more to show myself that, you know, I, I can't, like, again, just to show, show things to myself. So sometimes I think I cut out soda for like a year or whatnot. Um, at some point, I cut out more carbonated drinks. Other times, I would say XYZ or XYZ. So for me, just introducing different things for a period of time that I know would reap some kind of benefits at some point. So, you know, if it's good to do, why not just do it um, in those moments? Sometimes, obviously, I, you know, that's a college cheat in that sense. But again, it's just about understanding that there are certain points I can say no to certain things. On the money mm -hmm. side, um, well, that was the second point, right? Money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the finance side, I honestly, I feel like I've actually become maybe less um, deliberate about certain things. I feel like there was a certain period of my life, um, maybe when I, when I was earning like a quote-unquote steady income from being employed, I think I definitely had like good practices and, you know, certain things that I would always do, like a portion at a certain point. I think I had a good savings culture. I was always exposed to investments and trying to look for things in that way. So I think for the longest time I've had it, I had like a relatively healthy view on money. But um, I think I was talking to someone the other day. For me, money has never been like an end goal. Um, so And so for that reason, I never had like big numbers or big endpoints that I was actively always working towards. For me, I always thought about money as I want to be able to do like a reasonable amount of the things that I desire to do uh, without being hampered by a sense of like lack in that sense. So that was how it always looked out. So for me, money was always like a tool to get stuff done as opposed to oh, I need to rack up these 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 bands, you know, to show certain things. And one can argue that maybe that changed my desire to the things that I wanted or things that I, I felt like I could access. Um, but yeah, for me, that's still been the story right now. Um, and even with building a business, I think 
a lot of my personal money practices have shown themselves forth in how I have chosen to build this business with my team and just all the things that we do, the things that we spend money on or don't spend money on <clears throat> and some of the kinds of things that we do. So yeah, for me, it's just been that, that theme. And now entering a new phase of my life, I'm actually curious about some of the changes I might need to make or some of the new things I might need to like try to chase out to hit certain goals and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's finance and health in a nutshell. Mm. I think mine is quite similar. Um, particularly with the health bit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my desire to have many potions is just that my hatred for getting sick is a lot higher than <laughs> anything else. <laughs> so yeah. you see me because it's potion it's just, just like I don't want to feel an inch I don't feel three seconds of anything like a sore throat anything like that no <laughs> I, I no god forbid um, I know people have bigger diseases now than the world and are struggling I appreciate that Um. Yeah. so I just try to Lua can do it when I can do it let me just do it but Health-wise, I don't, I don't say I'm particularly a healthy person like that. I'm health-conscious, of course. But I don't say I'm a healthy, healthy, healthy guy like that. Because fundamentally, I don't really think too much about what I cook in terms of, oh, I, this, this is going to be like certain kind of oil, um, certain, certain, certain amount of carbs. Nah. Mm. I, just have, I just have some basics that I follow. That already puts me above most of yeah certain points. Number one, I don't eat fast food, and to me that's just the most that's just the easiest thing one can <laughs> just do. I know obviously sometimes privileged to not be to not be able to eat fast food because some people just don't have the time to cook yeah. by themselves. Perhaps maybe fair enough, but I don't eat fast food like. I've been to McDonald's five times since I've been here. And all those times I've been, I've walked in with somebody. <laughs> um, but again, you can say that's also part of upbringing because we're never like Mr. Big's person back growing up. Tantalizers. Oh my God. The second bit was there was a desire to look better because I never realized how skinny I was until I realized I was skinny. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then I thought about the thing I did with the BMI test and said I was underweight. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so that was so that was perhaps the the gym culture vibe. But the gym culture was mostly building muscle, not like getting fit. Mm-hmm. So it was more aesthetics at the at the start. But then when I when I found boxing for the first time, I did boxing, that's when fitness became a thing yeah. in my head. So that was probably the shift in the twenties when I was twenty four. That first started boxing. Yeah. And then, I, then, then that's when I realized, oh, like running, cardio, um, how your body responds to certain foods, those kind of things began to emerge. Like, ah, okay. Mm. And then perhaps in more recent times, I'm now more conscious about foods and their impact but also other environmental stuff and impact mm-hmm. on your body 
because my theory is if I know something and I can change it, but I don't change it, I feel like I'm taking for granted what I have versus somebody who might be sick and wish they had the chance that I have. Mm. So in doing that, one simple thing I do, if you, if you notice when it, when it came to the house, I don't have, I don't, I don't like plastics. Mm. Right. And that's just because, okay, I can, I'm in a place where I can afford to not have plastics. Not afford by price because about the same price you spend anyway. If you think about it very deeply over time, I mean, but just afford in terms of ease of ease of purchase, the fact that it's, it's just here. Okay, then I would not have any plastics. Mm. Um, well, every week, every two weeks, I want to make a potion, right? It's easy to get all these things, ingredients. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But then that means that I don't get sick regularly, right? I'm thinking of, what else am I thinking about? Maybe about sleep right mm. so i want to try and be sleeping at least seven hours a day so i'm like oh yeah you know if you want to make money you gotta wait you gotta sleep four hours and I'm like screw that <laughs> <laughs> i will find a way <laughs> to, <laughs> to 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 live a live a relatively healthy life without screwing myself over and as you said soda as well so if you, if you look at everything everything i pointed out I think you are already in like a percentile of the world that that is doing okay. Mm. And if you and the thing about it is like, even though I don't even run, I don't do a lot of cardio. Whenever I've picked up anything that involves cardio, I don't suffer because the body already has some basics. Mm. And memory, perhaps, but some basics in there that don't slow you down. Because I realized I learned about food as well in terms of some meals actually hamper your performance. And as opposed to just being about, you know, working out. You can work out, but some things you keep eating, you just, you know, you're not strong. You're not as, and um, your stamina is, is worse. Give us quick tips before, before we move on. No, just, no, no, I'm, no. I'm not doing quick tips because the internet is full of tips on Ooh, health. But just say it now. So, so I think... Just say one. Yeah, say one. Say one. Say one thing that you can eat that will stop you from performing in the gym or something. Um, One is as simple as foods that are very dense in oil. Mm. Right? So, and it relates to how um, oxygen goes through your vessels. Okay. So you can imagine um, when the oil, if you have lots of, you know, all the oil we always use fried dough, yeah. for example, right? Yeah. Um, chunks of cholesterol. And then if, if, you're, if you're somebody who has like a resting heart rate of, I don't, I don't know, any resting mm-hmm. heart rate, mm-hmm. the fact that your blood, your beats per minute mm-hmm. cannot go back to the resting in a, in a, in a short period of time. Yeah. That's just down to how much your blood vessels are perhaps clogged or can be less clogged. Mm. All right. All right. So Simple. one example is just deep fried meals. Yeah. Right. Which is why you really find an athlete eating anything that's fried anyway, mm. just because of that main reason. Um, 
if you want to heal better, if you want to work out better, one thing that people don't, don't think about is turmeric. Turmeric is a godsend vegetable. <laughs> There's research on this that I've looked at. And actually, if you, if you actually look deep, deeper now, anybody who's into like conscious brands, like these sports brands that are quite environmental, green, whatever, a lot of people now having turmeric products. Just go to market and just have a scan. You notice it. It's becoming a new, new discovery now. Turmeric is a is is godsend. Yeah. Free question. I will move on from this though. Is I feel like some of these things always come in phases. Because I remember in two thousand and possibly. Was, yeah, I think it was when I was in school. I can't remember what it was called. Was it the there was one that always there was there was always this talk about like oxidants and things like that, and they take away the toxins from your body. I don't know if it was sour soap or one of those other fruits that did a lot of mopping up of blah 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 blah. But anyways, I feel like they come in cycles. Oh, some of those are just like I would say bogus. Some of those yeah. um, about those moringa stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I won't say it's bogus, but some of it was just mostly or some marketing rhetorics. Yeah. Okay. Just like. MLMs, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a, li- right. a little bit. All right, finance. Um, finance. <sighs> my finance principle is, is similar to my health. Some basics I just not do. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's. I've had strong defining financial guideline imprints because. My potential or my existence across my 20s has been a job after uni, then master's, then like no kind of job slash contract job, then a PhD, which you earn money doing, but I wasn't earning money doing the PhD, I was earning money doing other things alongside the PhD. Mm. Um... But then I was a subordinate as well, which meant I was protected against rent. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're doing other other jobs on the side. So for somebody else who was, so if you go if you go full circle, if you go back to start my conversation, uh-huh. for somebody else, oh yeah, I just said health. <laughs> but, uh, <ill. laughs> you should see what we just did now. It's definitely going to be a video. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a video. It's okay, continue. Um, <laughs> and for someone else who perhaps had a streamlined journey, yeah, from graduate, not graduate, from undergrad. Mm. Even if even if you're not earning a lot of money, the fact that your life is segmented into incomes that come at periodic Hopefully. times, yeah, right. How you go about money is different. If you're an entrepreneur who perhaps maybe at the early start, early start of your business. Your your turnovers are being reinvested, mm. or your turnovers are sporadic, or you can't really predict turnovers. I think I think about money is different versus when you're, you're already somebody who is seasoned, mm. and you can have forecasts that are reliable. Mm. But for somebody who was a student for a long time, and was working, getting experience working, but they were not like fixed buckets of experience, different kind of jobs. Your thought about money is different yeah and, and 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 even and even if i had theories about money some, some theories could not, could not be practiced because this the income flow was was not in alignment of what that theory 
would was, be yeah designed for yeah exactly so my my perhaps my don'ts that i've just kind of had to implement as a rule like like health is things like what you can afford just simple things that everybody knows bro nothing yeah. Yeah. nothing um nothing kind of uh what you can afford knowing what areas of your life to spend money on mm. versus knowing what areas of life your money should not be wasted on because as you would know as i told you i'm somebody who when, when, when i spend money on being convenient in my own home yeah why because i spend a lot of time here mm. and love a lot of my activities that i do outside of work I, I i need to be functional so i need to make this place set up in a way whereby i can do things without feeling like someone else is suffering Hmm. But but one but one place I want to waste money on is maybe going out to buy clothes to retail retail stores. I, I think actually like whenever I buy anything like in the store, it's always when you're out, it's always <laughs> when you're around. <laughs> See this guy. So, in fact, I, I, I think someone I think someone someone, someone called me cheap yesterday. I was in London. Someone called me cheap. Yeah. I'm like, well, well probably I'm cheap. I don't know, but. I don't yeah. spend money on like things like food or shopping, things like that. Yeah. Right. We found buying any, any clothing. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> it's not it's like I'm a sales, sales guy, guy, but yeah. I like the sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so fundamentals like that. And yeah. um of course simple investments and things like that. Um but yeah. Yeah. So if I think about finances, um, Thoughts on finances, theories have been very, very sharp, but basic theories, because how the incomes were always phrased across the 20s were been varied. Mm. And then as time goes by, with much more development in life, whether it's about trying to get a buy, buy a home, whether it's about feeding a family, yeah, you have nothing to contend with again, with, yeah. right? So... Yeah absolutely absolutely so we've been going on for a minute so let's let's bring this home um so i guess this section we don't need to talk we can just do a quick not recap or anything but just final thoughts and final words i think i think uh, i think just the biggest regrets and biggest lessons i guess that's just that's that's something that i think would be useful to conclude with yeah so what i was gonna say turning to boys a bit cliche stuff, isn't it yeah exactly and it's, it's a bit cliche is, ugh. And the fact is that I don't think I don't think I've ever thought of my life in terms of like regrets. Um, and oh, look at you! <laughs> no, this is this guy. And in terms of lessons learned as well, um, I think there are things that are still relatively ongoing as well. And I think some of these might have come through in all the things that we're saying. We've said so far in different categories: things about weak ties, things about exposure. Actually, I, th- I think I have a list of lessons learned that I wrote, I wrote down one time. Good on you, bro. Um. But for me, I think it's, I'd rather change the question into the lessons that you've picked up over the years that are serving you in the current season that you're in. Like lessons that you've always known or you've picked up recently that you're using on your day-to-day basis. Did you get the question? Yeah. So for me, if I'm going to twist that to that, I think for me, it's just understanding um, you don't always have to have an opinion that is super voiced out right and i'll unpack that in a way and this is more according to like social media 
I think what I'm what I've been observing lately online, which is something Wally and I have spoken about, is sort of like this division and this polarization where everybody that says a point feels like their identity is tied up into that point. And so it feels like the way they argue and positions that they pick are based on the fact that they've made that point their identity. Right. And also I think we talked about this. We're going to talk about this previously, but the need and the urge to pass judgment quite heavily on things that are external to you. Those are the things that I've seen pop up quite recently that I'm like, one way to potentially avoid all of this is not to feel the need, number one, to voice. I'm not saying this is not censorship, but it's like the thing about choosing the right platforms to have certain conversations but also to be gracious in how you connect and speak to other people, right? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't know, vile, just bad energy <laughs> online. Even it's coming into even football Twitter as well, where it's always this against that, that against this, if this is good and that's terrible and bad. Like on a level it's banter, on another level it's just energy zapping. And so I think for me, I've just been seeing that that's not really the way to do life. And a lot of life is around nuances. And if you build your identity around a certain point and a certain vibe that you're trying to put out, a certain energy that is too rigid and not nuanced enough, you run into that thing where you're always chasing your tail. And one day, the rooster is going to come home to roost and you're going to kind of like be worse than if you didn't take a hardline position. Like, I'm not saying don't believe and support things with all your heart, but I just think there's a way to do it that right now online is just very weird energy to be around. And so for me, that, that's what I'm learning, to be cautious in the way that I speak, to choose the platforms that I choose to say certain things to, where you can add enough context and really speak certain mm, things. Mm, um, yeah. And yeah, also, honestly, like, the final thing I'll say, sorry, is this thing I said earlier on about not letting anything master you. and it's in small things. So sometimes I'm watching a series and I'm just binging it and I'm like, okay, I need to stop. And I kind of like just stop halfway in an episode, like five minutes into an episode, I just stop. Particularly it's a trick because all episodes, all these things are built to give, give you a cliffhanger at the end. So technically the best place to stop a series when you're watching is in the middle while nothing is happening as opposed to waiting to the end of the episode because then they'll hook you up with something that's about to happen in the next one. And that's a lesson I'm kind of like just taking it to everything. Like, so sometimes just, yeah, stop. Like, stop. Take a moment and just stop. Um, and, you know, smell the, what's the word they use? Smell the flowers or something like that. I'll let Roses, you. Roses, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Lessons learned from you, from your list. Going through low commitment relationships does not help long term. Mm. Not making a decision is also a decision. Mm. That one is something that is very has been very key for me. Like if you don't decide something, you decide it. Mm. Everyone has a reason to be a victim. Mm-hmm. Like, like we all have reasons to feel we've been let down. But then, why do why, why don't we all feel let down? Hmm. Mm. I think leaving my list alone. Um, 
my guy was <laughs> well you guys you only hear the pause because I've taken it out <laughs> <laughs> I leave my list alone going with my other thought I thought I, I, my gut few things that I feel like I should share this might be quite personality based but the real test of how you can engage in the world is by engaging in the world but what I mean by that is it kind of ties in with your example of social media It's easy to think that because we can join threads, talk to people, put comments on on photos, on posts, we can engage with people. We can bring people together, but nothing beats that test in like the real world. Like like nothing beats the test of like when you go somewhere to a room where there's people you don't know. And then the task then is then okay now you're here, embed yourself in this place, and leave this room in one hour, with new acquaintances. And you can say, well, you have to be an extrovert for that. That no, that's not what I mean. You don't have to be an extrovert for that, because I met because I met people because I met people who, I've I've asked for their contacts, and in our conversation they didn't say. Ten words. My point is, the real world remains the real world, and the big test of engagement in the real world in these people is is through the real world. So I guess I'm just trying to say that skill of just knowing how to engage with people would never expire. No matter what tech we bring in, can never expire. I don't think so. I don't think so. So back to your point of the social media thing. Let us practice communicating <laughs> in the real world more. Yeah. However that looks like. However that looks like. Yeah. And I think... The, the, that looks like. The final thing I'll say, because we have been pushing long, is like, um, follow your curiosity in sort of like... Like, give, your, give yourself a chance to explore things beyond the surface, right? And it's not... It's not uncool to be nerdy about a few things. Um, and I, I use that word a bit slightly or maybe wrongly, but it's just that I feel like sometimes we feel the certain need to um, always stick on the social entertainment end of, of the spectrum in in a lot of things right and i think there's a lot of joy to be had from that and most of the narrative is life is already stressful enough all of the sorts of things but i think that that vibe and that narrative i feel like it's pitting the wrong things against each other like oh my life is already super difficult so why do i want to like i just need entertainment in my life i don't need anything to that would never make me. sense to me i'm <laughs> sorry i'm so, if you listen to this and this offends you i'm really sorry that can, never, that can never make sense to me that can never make sense to me yeah, um, I guess it, the the more that, that, that the the other way to put it is just that I feel like again those are just oppo- those are weird things to pit against each other like I'm saying and there's a lot of discovery that can be found in following your passions and curiosity up onto the point where you discover something new. I don't think it's work in that sense. Um, I think a lot of growing up and systems we've built we've been in has made school seem equal to education and therefore a task and a chore 
but you educating yourself and you learning is not i don't think it's a choice a part of life it's it's how we are as human beings like you leave a baby somewhere they're them them touching and feeling things and all of those things like it's them exploring there's a reason why if you're talking to a four or five year old or three year old usually maybe in the u.s on all developed markets they seem to have like a richer vocabulary they seem to be i don't know from i don't know if i'm just being biased but there's a certain vibe where you then see a counterpart and there's just a certain like infantilization and on- just watch hollywood and hollywood actors <laughs> that, 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 that five years old yeah yeah and, and you know it's funny because i think it's a it's a cultural thing because there's i don't know when does adult adulthood actually start because something happened on twitter recently with some minister guy that was nominated where as long as you're you're is i don't know as long as people are much older than you say 20 30 years there's just this certain need to make every one that is in that 20 year gap below you feel like they're a child regardless of how old they are and i don't get it right it's how like a 20 year old is talking to a five-year-old and you don't feel like you can actually have a proper conversation with a five-year-old and so you just for the experience that thrilled me a lot this holiday and i'll end the point here because it's actually entering two hours is i was speaking to my nine-year-old um niece and honestly i was just like I actually I had an actual conversation with her and I was just talking to her and her perspective about things were quite interesting. Granted, she's a bit different from the rest of her co- or her cohorts, but you know, I noticed she wasn't watching cartoons and I'm like, I don't understand why. Like, why? Why did she was like, nah, she doesn't enjoy them because she feels like they're too like she doesn't learn anything and it just feels a bit childish and she doesn't like the voices they speak in a lot of times. So this girl is sitting down watching Spider Man, specifically Tobey Maguire's one, and I ask her, oh, but there's a new one. She was like, she prefers the old one. Because I actually I can't remember what she said, but I was just looking at this nine year old and I'm just like wondering what in the world is going on through this girl's head. But I feel like some of that is just like allowing children be children and exposing themselves to things and not making certain things feel like, oh, you're a child, so you need to do this. And you're an adult, this is what I think. I'm mixing my points together, but just don't stop learning. Don't feel like dive into rabbit holes. Like you're curious about something, even the show that you watch, like look beyond the surface sometimes and see what's going yeah, but- on. Because my counter to that point you're raising, just just, just yeah. so, so, so counter at the end. <laughs> Nobody's curious as you imagine it. I feel like people are. People just okay put it aside because it's work. People count curiosity to be work, and so because it's all about just asking questions about things, right? And not I, just I, I see, I see what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean there. That's a good point. People yeah. count curiosity as work, and then they think. Why am I gonna do this? Exactly. If it's not bringing, I can, I, 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 money. I, I can just rest. Uh-huh. Never money. Yeah. I can just rest. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. So I guess reshape what you think is work and see what. Just try it out. Like you have the rest of your life to go back to being you. So, and this is a actually that that will probably link to another episode this season, maybe later down the line. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, this is this has been a good episode one. We're still rusty. We're shaking off the rust right now, <laughs> which is why um, we've gone for two hours. But um, <laughs> t- tail end of the announcements, uh, questions, concerns, thoughts about this episode, guys, throw them in the comments. We're still keeping up our commenting thing. It was a very exciting part last season, and we're going to keep that going again. And actually, if you comment as well, let us know how old you are when you comment. <laughs> if you're going to be anonymous, I guess. Uh, I mean, you probably will be anonymous. If you're not anonymous, don't then just keep the keep your age to yourself politely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you are anonymous on the whimsical, 
Uh, just let us know how old you are, just so we can get be a, a bit of a sense of um, the context behind your words, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and again, we're going to do a seminar therapy episode for this, um, but it's going to be on our Patreon. I can't believe we're going to be saying that now. So if you like more juicy content or if you like to hear us in the middle of the week, um, or no, in the middle of a two-week period, head on to our Patreon and jump on that and the episode will be there same time on monday um if yes, not sir. we would catch you we still love you guys on the regular pod we're going to be saying that now that's like i'm now becoming the podcast i listen to when you do this whole thing where there's like two different audiences but anyways we'll see you guys you have the lingo weeks. the lingo yeah 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 i've consumed enough of it to to output it here for you guys um but we love you guys thank you for being with us on this journey of ours we're in the third year of the podcast 10 seasons it's quite significant and yeah excited for more new things that we're doing this season and in our lives and all in between thank you for your two hours enjoy your week ahead wale what do you want to say to thanks everybody see you again in next week or in two weeks from that episode yeah have a good one share take care bye Hi there, and we're quite sure that the podcast landscape on your device is massive, and yet you found us and you chose to indulge in our long-form, complex, sense-making dialogues. And for that, we applaud you, but more importantly, we say a big, massive thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, if it made you smile, think, debate, or even disagree, please show us some support. You can do that in five simple ways. Number one, give us a great rating and review, and subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, leave a comment, let us hear you, but more importantly, let our community hear you as well. Number three, share this episode with somebody new, somebody you thought about when you were listening, someone you think would enjoy it. Number four, if you're active on social media, connect, connect, connect. It's yellowpeelpod on Instagram slash threads and yellowpeel underscore pod on Twitter. Five, and finally, you can join our Patreon community down link below. Once again, thank you for taking Yellowpeel with us today. Wally, your co-host next to me is toby and we should do very best in the coming hours days weeks and months but we'll see you again soon till next time peace and love people peace and love <laughs>